Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. Hi, and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. Today, we're talking about what is your purchase personality? We're going to find out whether you're a spender, a saver, or a steward, the pros and cons of each type, and get practical action steps to up-level the purchasing strategy that will help you keep and control more of your money starting from where you are at today. So we're your hosts. I'm Rachel Marshall, and good morning, Bruce. Good morning, Rachel. I was just, this is, I know we've had this on the uh, schedule for a while, but it was very odd because uh, I was going through my Facebook posts and uh, somebody posted a Saturday night's uh, live skit about uh, how to stay out of debt. And mm-hmm. uh, they, they, wrote, they wrote a book uh, on how to stay out of debt called Don't Buy Stuff You, Don't, you Can't Afford. Oh, nice. <laughs> and, I, and I thought, well, that's going to be perfect as we talk about the different aspects of how people's mindset are, are on saving, spending, and so, forth, so on and so forth. That's excellent. And I will have to check that book out as well. That sounds great. That's great. So let's set the stage a little bit for this conversation. So if you're looking at your monthly cash flow, we all have circumstances that call for us to go above and beyond our normal monthly spending. So for you, this might be um, something that is a major purchase. It could be a remodel for your house, a vacation, a wedding, a new car, college for your kids, buying a rental property. And when you're looking to buy this thing, it's something that's outside the bounds of your normal routine spending plan, and it can't be handled through regular monthly cash flow as a a budget or a spending plan item. So the way that you pay for these expenses often has greater impact to your current and future cash flow than you might realize. How you purchase more than what you purchase makes the greatest difference in your control or loss of control. So how will you pay for these purchases? You can know the best way, you can speculate, you can dream, you can commit, but the best way to predict your future decision-making is really to have an honest, open look at your past decisions and figure out what mindset you used to arrive at where you are today. So we're going to help you understand your purchase personality and move you from feeling stuck with only one option to recognizing your purchase choices. We're going to help you move from never getting ahead to knowing that you're increasing future cash flow and move from that out of control position to a place where you have more control options and increased capabilities. So we're going to answer, what are my purchase options? Am I a spender? a saver, or a steward? What are the pros, cons, and the impacts of each? And given a financial or given a choice, should I pay cash or finance major purchases? What action steps can I take from where I am to make better decisions that increase my future cash flow? So now how you purchase is just one step in the greater survival to significance cash flow system. So it's part of your mindset and how you keep more of what you have today so that you have more to save and more to invest in cash flowing assets. So let's dive in. Bruce, let's walk through 
a quiz that anyone could use to decide and figure out if they're a spender, a saver, or a steward. So let's do the quiz first, mm-hmm. and then break down what these mean and the pros and cons of each. So do you want to go with the first question? Sure. So uh, it's very basic. Uh, do you put money into savings each month? If yes, we'll continue. If no, we already know that you're a spender. Yes. So I feel like that's pretty basic and straightforward. Mm -hmm. So question two, if you answered, yes, you are saving money each month, let's move on to question two. Think back to your largest, your last large purchase. And maybe it was something we just mentioned, maybe a car, a boat, investment property, a wedding, something like that. Did you have enough in savings to have the option to pay cash? Now, this question is very specific. Did you have enough in savings that you could have paid cash if you chose to? So we're going to leave the question there. If yes, go ahead and continue on to the next question. If no, you may be a spender. We'll clarify that as we move on. Bruce, do you want to take the next one? Yeah. So if you choose to pay cash, um, if, if yes, then we you could be a saver. If no, then we really need to continue to figure out how you think of money, whether you're a, a saver or spender. So did you pay cash for that big ticket item, that boat, that car, that investment property, that remodel, so on and so forth? If yes, you're a saver. If no, we'll have to continue and look at the next part of the quiz. Yes. And so this gets good here as well. Did you keep your cash and finance the purchase. So again, if you've moved through this quiz and you've made it to this last question, did you keep your cash instead of using it and finance the purchase? Now, if yes, you may be a steward. Now you're hearing us say may several times because there's not a one size fits all answer to this, but this kind of helps us lead into the conversation of what is a spender, what is a saver, and what is a steward, and how can I maximize my control? Yeah, and Rachel, let's clarify this a little bit. So, if you don't if you don't save every month, then we can say you may be a spender, um, but r- the reality is you're probably a spender. Now, some people m- might be out there saying, "Well, yes, but I I have to spend everything I make every month for the bare essentials." And I have mm-hmm. nothing else to save. Well, that's why we keep saying may. And those there are cases of people who are like that. But when you sit down and look at your everything in your cash flow awareness, there's usually somewhere that you can save. And, and uh, we've talked about this in previous episodes. And then when you're looking to purchase a something large, a large, a large uh, budget item, did you save and pay for it in cash or did you um, then go to the next step and actually finance it, but you had enough money to actually pay it off if you wanted to? So those are the three different choices that you have. So let's dive into uh, these three different choices. All right. So let's talk about what is a spender? So again, I want to remove any stigma with this. This is not a good, bad um, grade, but what, what we want to be able to do is recognize the limitations of each type 
And if we do fall in this category, figure out how can we move out of this so that we can really gain financial control like we want to. So the spender is working to spend and everything each month is spent. There's nothing left over. So they don't put money into savings, which means because they don't have savings, they're not earning interest. Now, when it comes time to buy a large ticket item, there's nothing in savings to draw on. And the only option that they have is to finance that purchase. So they end up then making payments to a lender. They take out a liability, like we talked about in our last episode. And when they do make those payments to a lender, they usually don't get the best rates. They're going to probably pay the highest rates of interest. They're going to end up with more unsecured loans or financing or credit cards and pay at the highest rates. Yeah, and and I know we're not you're, you're we're trying not to judge each one of these things, but as I was preparing for this and thinking about different things and examples in my life, um, there is a there is a, an example where there's a little bit of a judgment, and I'll and I'll talk about this. So I used to work in college. I used to work at a a mining operation um, to help pay for college, and for. Well, for whatever reason, it was really odd. We got paid on Thursday, not Friday, which which was odd, but we got paid on Thursday. And I can remember every, well, not everybody, but a lot of the guys were like, oh, we get paid today. I can't wait. Then tomorrow night, I can go out and party. And that's all mm-hmm. they that's all they talked about. And so they, and then, then Friday or Saturday, you know, they, they repeated the process. And then Monday they come in. And they would talk about, oh, I can't do, I can't do anything till Thursday, you know, because we get paid on Thursday. <laughs> and, it, and so there was this, this spender mentality, which was putting stress in their life and they didn't even realize it. And with the other oh, thing, sure. and the other thing I want people to realize is if you're not saving first and you're a spender and then you go to finance something, what you're actually saying, now this is a hard concept for me to explain. So it might be a hard concept for people to understand. If you're then saying, I can't save, how can you then change your monthly cash flow to suddenly pay $150 or $200 or $250 to finance something? Right. It's it's really an enigma when you think, when you really sit back and think about the mindset of a, of a spender. Actually, you're really right on with that, Bruce, because if you could afford an additional monthly payment, which the financing will require, then if you had reverse engineered that, you could have saved that each month and paid that to yourself in first or paid that to yourself first and then put yourself in a different position when it came to make the purchase. So I agree. Quite an enigma there. So let's talk about what is a saver? What does a saver do differently and what do they get? as a result. So the saver is then saving money. They have money in savings. So those are two different things. Saving money means that they're putting something aside each month. And usually that's before they spend because they're paying themselves first. And because of that monthly consistent habit, they have a amount of money that they own that is in savings. Now, because they have money in savings, they are earning interest. And usually what they do when it comes to financing is they say, well, I don't want to finance because I don't want to pay interest. It's very common for a saver to be the person who pays cash for everything. And they say, well, 
I don't want to be out of control. I don't want to pay interest. I'm not going to go in debt, which we learned last time. Debt and liabilities are two separate things, but usually the saver doesn't want a liability, so they pay cash. What that causes them to do, though, is that they lose out on what their money could have earned while they used it for the purchase. Yes. Yeah. One of my mentors, and I know uh, somebody that you follow, uh, follow, Nelson Nash, he, mm-hmm. he always says you finance everything, whether yes. whether you do it through an actual loan or whether you actually take cash out of your savings. They're both financing because either you're you're paying interest or you're giving up the ability to to uh, get paid interest. And, oh, absolutely! Yeah, and so when you think about it as you finance everything one way or another then you can start to understand how compounding works in both directions. Oh, that's a very powerful concept. And so when you do pay cash, then yes, you're financing. Essentially, you're not borrowing from a lender, you're borrowing from yourself. And there's this intention that you'll repay yourself and build back up your savings tank, if you will. And so instead of making payments to a lender, you're making payments back to yourself. So that's just something we want to understand about the saver. Now, as we move into what is a steward, what does a steward do differently? And this might be outside of the realm of the typical way we think about financing, because we usually think we only have two choices. We either pay cash or we finance and there's no other way. So let's talk about what does a steward do? There's actually elements of the spender and elements of the saver combined together that gives it a lot of power. So the steward saves money. They have that discipline and habit of putting money to the side and saving that first each month. So they have money in savings and they earn interest because that money is in savings. Now, here's the difference between the steward and the saver. When the steward gets ready to purchase an item that's bigger than their monthly cash flow, they keep their money growing and earning, and they never stop the compound interest that's earning on their cash in savings. And instead of using cash, they use other people's money to finance a purchase. They use their own money as collateral, borrow against their money, and finance the purchase. This allows them then to use leverage and arbitrage like the bank that we talked about in another previous episode that we'll link in the show notes. So the steward then is able to get financing on the best terms because they have cash in savings. They have the ability to collateralize that. So they have secured loans, better rates of interest because the lender is saying this is a low risk person. We know that they will repay this loan. And so they get the best of both worlds. They're financing their purchases by using other people's money and they're keeping their own money compounding. Yes. And as I was thinking about what I was going to talk about on the podcast, there are two billionaires that actually can give examples of both of these. Mark Cuban once said, I remember that he believed that saving for the sake of saving was a big mistake. And what he meant was, and he, he explained that you have to keep money in motion um, whenever possible. And he wasn't necessarily talking 
about the savings money, but he was talking about this arbitrage where you can use the money as collateral to purchase uh, other investments, other businesses, other real estate, um, so on and so forth. And then Mark Zuckerberg, if and these are these uh, the, Mark Zuckerberg, it's very easy to to Google this. Um, he's worth about right now. He's worth about seventy seven billion dollars. He lives very frugally. He he wears gray t shirts and blue jeans. He drives mm-hmm. he drives an Acura that's worth less than thirty thousand dollars. And he bought a home. Now it's a seven million dollar home, but a seven million dollar home is nothing in Palo Alto, California, compared to. $77 billion of net worth. And Mark has a mortgage on his home. You can Google it. it, it they, they, they show it. Mm-hmm. Now, to, to your earlier point, because Mark does have a lot of money, he gets the best rates. So he has a 1.05 adjustable rate mortgage. And so Mark knows he can use his money, his net worth to make more money in a compounding effect then then he's actually paying for his mortgage on his Palo Alto home. So we would say he's a good steward of his money. And he is a very good steward of his money because he has one of the largest foundations for philanthropy. He and his wife oversee hmm. overseas. So he is a very good student of his money. That's excellent. And I like the example that you bring in there because he could have paid cash. And that's the, the point that differentiates the saver from the steward. The saver would say, well, I have the cash. I'm going to go ahead and pay cash for something so I don't ever finance. But they lose out because their money is not able to continue earning interest at that time. And so um, thanks for sharing that. Mm -hmm. So go ahead. I was going to say, one one of the things I know people on the podcast are thinking right now, because I I, I see it every day with my clients and they say, yeah, but I'm, I'm not earning any money in the bank. And I say, well, that's, that is true. I understand that. But there are other places that you can earn more rates of return than the bank and still have access to your money, whether it is an insurance company, whether it is in a, an investment where you can actually uh, use as collateral, whether it's real estate that's producing cash flow for you, so on and so forth. So um, I know people are thinking, well, that's great, but I'm not making anything on my money anyway. So how can you tell me that I'm, I have a, a loan on my house that's 4.5% and I'm only making, you know, a half a percent on my money. Uh, we're not necessarily talking about just that type of arbitrage. We're talking about looking for places that you can store your money, uh, and get cash flow off of it or get compounding effects off of it. Absolutely. And thanks for bringing that up because I think that is a a primary reason why people don't finance a purchase when they have the cash, they use the cash instead. So let's continue to work through this. So when we look at the saver and the spender, both of them have some of the same problems. Both are rooted in this fear and scarcity. Now the spender is afraid of missing out on life. And if they don't spend it now and use it now, what if they're not here in the future to enjoy the fruits of their labor. But at the same time, the saver is afraid of running out of money. And so they can, in a negative way, turn almost into a hoarder that is afraid to spend anything and have any outflow in their life. So both of them are in this scarcity mindset. And anything that comes from scarcity 
can't produce this abundant result in your life. It just simply can't. No, and I have several clients that have millions of dollars, and yet you have to you have to constantly give them permission to spend their money and mm-hmm. or use their money to try to make more money. Um, and I say, hey, even if you even if you're, I know you give to charities. I mean, I see their tax returns. I said, so why aren't we trying to increase your money instead of just so you have more money to give to charities? Um, so it's not just about people say, well, I don't need I don't need more money. It's not about the the need. It's about what kind of impact you want to leave. And a lot of people when they when they sit back and they think about it. Um, they do want to leave a legacy or they want to impact people's lives, but they're in that scarcity mindset, whether they're a spender and they don't have any money left over to impact people's lives, or they're a saver to, to the point where, I, where they, they don't want to touch any of their money because they're afraid of running out. Uh, both of those things mm-hmm. are coming from a scarcity mindset and both will never get ahead. Uh, and that's the thing that we really have to think about is it's it's all about changing your mindset and it won't change overnight either. You have to you have to change gradually. You know, I've seen this over my career where a person who was in $60,000 worth of of credit card debt and only and only made about 40,000 a year if they just chipped away and said, "Okay, this month I'm going to put $100 a month away." and just chipped away at like that, even though they were paying interest on the credit cards at that time. You and I both agree with this, Rachel. We have our our six months emergency cash, you know, that we want to get people into that mindset of saving. Mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely. So you have to change. And then the other person, the other one is the ones that have millions of dollars and they don't want to spend. Hey, let's take $10,000 out. Let's go let you go to that Europe trip that you were wanting to do. And see if it really hurts you, and 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 they do it, and they come back, and they look, and they look at their balances, and they think, oh, you're right, this hasn't hurt me net worth wise. Right, and they're probably more refreshed and rejuvenated, and having a better perspective to be able to create create more once they return as Absolutely. well. So, with the spender and the saver, neither one are getting ahead, and I want to share this in a very visual demonstration way. So imagine there's this this horizontal line that is zero net worth. Now the spender, when they finance, they go below that zero net worth line into a negative net worth. So it's almost like a, a drop down from that zero. And then as they pay off their loan, they're stair-stepping their net worth back up to zero. And if they get the loan paid off, they're back at zero again. But what do we know? Because they aren't saving and don't have that savings set aside somewhere to use, the next time they have to finance a major capital purchase, they're going to do the same cycle again, drop back down below zero, and then stair step back up and hopefully pay that off. So they're spiraling down and up, down, up, down, up, and never getting above that zero net worth line and never really building wealth or creating wealth. Now, the saver is actually doing the same thing in the opposite direction. So if we take that same zero line, when they're saving up cash, they're stair-stepping up first, they're building up some savings and some net worth, and then it comes time to finance. And what do they do? They pay cash and that cash then drops back down to zero, meaning their net worth line goes flat again. 
and then they build up the cash and stair step that back up and they use the cash and that drops back down to zero. And what's happening is they're cycling the same way just above the line, but they keep coming back to the zero line and never moving forward. And it's unfortunate because they're not, they're not really truly building wealth. So here's the real problem with saving in the way that we just talked about where you're saving up and using your cash. If you had $100,000 in saving and say that's earning 5% annually, and we're going to talk about places that you can save with higher rates of return like this, and we have talked in previous episodes as well. Say that's compounding monthly and you didn't add to it or take anything away and you let that sit for 30 years. It's going to grow. The 100000 will turn into $446,774. That means the 30-year potential of that 100000 is the extra about 345000 that it's going to earn in interest. But if instead you built up the 100000 and you use the cash, you're going to reset the compounding and you're going to have to restock the tank each time. And you're setting back that compound interest curve and you're never going to build up that 340 some thousand of interest because you kept using the cash. So the best financing option then is to save, build up, continue your compounding, and then use your cash as collateral for financing. So Bruce, why is this most valuable to use your cash as collateral instead of actually using your cash? Well, we show this all the time as as there's an arbitrage effect where you are actually growing your money in a compounding effect. And think about this as being whatever that amount is, let's say 5%. As the, as the pot gets bigger, the compounding effect uh, produces 5% on a larger number. And then mm-hmm. as you're financing, you're financing at a certain interest rate, interest rate, hopefully at or below what you have. And even if it's not below the next opportunity for your cash, and this is the part that people really struggle with. So let's say you even finance something like a, like a real estate investment for 7%, but your cash is only compounding at 5%. People say, well, I don't, I don't understand this because I'm losing 2%. Well, first of all, you'd have to really look at the books because the real estate investment probably offsets some of that 7% by tax deductions that you have. Oh, and so you have to look at that. The other thing you have to look at is you still have that cash to to actually use as a down payment for another potential investment that may now mm-hmm. kick off another 7%. So if your 7% um, financed investment is kicking off, let's just even say 3%, but you kept your cash and now you have a great opportunity. And now the next opportunity you finance at 7%, but it has cash on cash return of 10%. Now you have a 10% and a 3% of or 13% that you're financing at 7%. And, th- and right. this is the, the thing that uh, Nelson Nash was saying, you finance everything, whether you spend money uh, with it in your, in your savings account or whether you go to, to, to a traditional loan. He's, he says this all the time also. He says, cash finds opportunities. 
And oh yes, it yes. Does. Or you say it the other way: opportunity finds cash. And uh-huh. it's amazing. I call it the Beetle effect. You're a little too young for the Beetle effect, <laughs> but in the '60s and '70s, whenever somebody bought a Volkswagen Beetle, all of a sudden they realized how many of these Volkswagens were actually on the road. I think we do it in a lesser extent. Extent nowadays, when we buy our cars, you suddenly realize how many cars are on the road that are like that. Well, when when right. you. I think that's called your reticular activating system or something like yeah, that too. Well, that, but yeah, your awareness yeah, increases. You're you're, uh, you're a lot more aware of that than I am. <laughs> um, but it's the same way. When you have built up cash through savings, you suddenly, I say your t- antennas go up subconsciously and, and these opportunities that you n- wouldn't normally see actually come to the forefront. And that way you're a, gr- a good steward of your money. Oh, I love how you said that because yes, if you, instead of using up your cash, now you have the cash, you're going to find those opportunities. You also have the cash. Then if you had an emergency and you needed to use it, you have the ability to access that cash. And also if we go back to the idea that you're not in debt, if you could pay off your loan, remember if you have the cash and you've taken a loan using other people's money, you have the cash to be able to pay off that loan if you wanted to. And that again, puts you in a not in debt position. So just some things to think about and why it's so valuable to keep cash instead of just saving and then spending your cash. So here's what to do to move forward to keeping and controlling more of your money. So if you find that you are a spender or a saver, recognize the ability to increase your control, safety and growth by having that capital in savings and at the same time, choosing to finance. If you're a spender, find ways to save money by setting a spending ceiling. Or maybe you could restructure loans and use long-term tax reduction strategies to find and free up cash. Now, commit to saving it, not to spending it, and develop that discipline with monthly savings. We can provide you with guidance to increase your cash flow for saving with the money that you already make. Now, if you move into a position where instead of just being a spender, you move to a position where you have cash in savings, you're not only going to get better rates on financing, you'll also have more options for purchasing and more cash in your control all along the way. Now, if you're a saver, you already have those solid savings habits and you have some cash at your disposal. You value having this strong cash position but you're frustrated that every time you use it, it disappears from your personal economy and takes with it what you could have earned. Or maybe you're frustrated with the low rates of return that you're earning in the bank savings account and you want something more robust that's going to increase your rate of return without restricting your access to capital. You recognize the problems with spending cash that cause you to give up control of your capital and reset the compounding. You can choose then to finance with loans secured against your capital to keep your cash and use other people's money for the purchase to become a steward. So as we wrap this episode today, you have a choice to make, and that's really to go the easy way or the hard way. It's You can stay stuck with the spender-saver polarity and seeing there's only two ways to finance and cause yourself to never get ahead. Or you can step into this new paradigm as a steward 
and a wealth creator. So I want to invite you, if you're struggling to pay down debt and hoping to save money someday, but you're looking back at your historical decisions and you haven't found a way to save yet, we invite you to subscribe to the podcast and join the Money Advantage community at themoneyadvantage.com. And that will help you get ideas on how to increase your cash flow today so that you can begin to save. And if you'd like to learn more about how to apply privatized banking to maintain control of your capital and earn that uninterrupted compound interest, use your cash as collateral, keep it growing, have a guaranteed loan option to access your cash and step into that role of a steward, we invite you to reach out to us for a financial picture conversation. And we'll walk you through finding ways that money is flowing out of your control and help you get more of your money flowing back into your control so that you can retain and utilize more of your money and pass on more to future generations. Bruce, is there anything you want to share about that as we close? No, I think, um, once again, I mentioned this earlier, it's really about a mindset. And a lot of people think, well, uh, people don't change, but we've all changed. I've changed. I know you've, you've changed. We've we've, we've all changed. Thankfully. Only change when you, one, decide you want to change. (laughs) And because I can't Mm -hmm. change you, you can't change me. We have to decide we want to change. So if you're inspired to at least look at the possibility of change, you can email us at hello at the moneyadvantage.com and we will actually set up a, a time for you. After we look at your initial, what you want to accomplish and and your initial cash flow awareness, and then we will sit down and and do some kind of strategies or point you in the right direction to get more information. Absolutely. And thanks for sharing that, Bruce. So you can also get the show notes and the videos for this episode at themoneyadvantage.com. And we love to hear from our listeners. If you have questions or comments or feedback, you can also email us at that email address, hello at themoneyadvantage.com. So thank you for listening today, and we hope this was helpful to you in your personal and professional financial life. Remember, success leaves clues. So follow the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life and business you love. To learn how high-performing entrepreneurs 10x or more returns on liquid capital without giving up quick access to cash, go to themoneyadvantage.com forward slash liquid dash capital to get The Unfair Advantage, your 20-minute easy-to-read guide on maximizing your savings. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated Member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and Investment Advisory Services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and Registered Investment Advisor 
both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.